Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. My name is Jeff, and today I'm here with Aaron and Greg to talk about beginner tips for mountain biking. Now, before you turn off the podcast and say I'm not a beginner, we're going to also talk about a lot of things that apply to people who are trying to get their friends into mountain biking. So if you're you know, an expert mountain biker already, there's still going to be a lot of meat here for you if you're trying to get friends into mountain biking for the first time. So I wanted to start off by asking Greg and Aaron, what do you guys think are the biggest barriers to getting people started with mountain biking? Well, one of the biggest barriers is the equipment costs. So bikes, as we all know, are expensive and generally just seem to be getting more expensive. Um, but there's a lot of ways around that. For instance, if you're thinking about getting into mountain biking, chances are you have a friend that already rides and they likely have more than one bike or know someone that can let you borrow a bike so you can try it out. I mean, I don't think it's very often that someone just up and randomly decides out of the blue that they're going to start mountain biking, you know, without having someone that they know that already is into the sport. So, you know, see if you can borrow a bike from a buddy and take it for a ride. You know, I think in general, most mountain bikers are are happy to get new people into the sport. There's also a lot of different ways you can ride bikes, such as, uh, you know, demo days. A lot of brands do their own demo days. So, you know, Pivot, Santa Cruz, Trek, whoever, like if you have a favorite brand, chances are that they're going to be putting on a demo day somewhere near you at some point during the year. So check their websites, check their Facebook pages and, and see when those events are happening. Check with your local shop. And then also your local shop probably rents or demos bikes. And that's a really good way to try a lot of different bikes, especially if you're, you know, you're getting more serious and you're getting ready to purchase something. Cause there's nothing, nothing really replaces taking a bike out for an all day ride you know, as opposed to just riding around the, the parking lot of your bike shop. That's not really the same thing as going out and hitting the trail. So aside from just checking out bikes, you know, you if you check out bikes, chances are you're going to fall in love with a bike that costs like $5,000. And that's that still doesn't really help beginners, especially if you're trying to get your friend into it and they, you know, realize they have really expensive tastes in, in mountain bikes. So one of the things you can do, is look for used bikes. That's what I did when I got started with mountain biking. A lot of times shops will sell them kind of on consignment. Shops don't like to do it, so like don't be surprised if you go in and ask about used bikes and they kind of shrug shrug you off at first. But but that is something to to check out. Also Craigslist obviously is a good place to find used stuff for good prices. You know, bikes bikes are like cars, you know, they are expensive when you buy them new, but usually you can find some that, you know, a year or two after the purchase date, they're worth a lot less. So you can, you can end up getting good deals on used bikes. Um, if you can find them. Yeah. And if you, if you do find a bike that you're interested in buying that's used, and maybe if you don't know a whole lot about the components, ask a friend who does know a lot to go with you because, you know, you don't want to get ripped off or you don't want to get a bad deal or a bike that's that you think looks cool or whatever, but then you get it and you realize, oh, this thing needs a new drivetrain. The suspension needs to be overhauled. You know, the wheels are need to be trued because then you're, you know, you're talking about way, way more money. So if you don't know a lot about the bikes and the components themselves, definitely bribe a friend to go with you. Yeah, that's, that's huge. I mean, friends ask me all the time about bikes and, you know, ask, ask me to weigh in. People do that on the single tracks forums as well. So there's a mountain bike website that you use, 
you go on there and ask random people, you know, is this a good deal or whatever? And people will be happy to share their opinion with you. So beyond the equipment stuff, what else is a barrier you guys think for people getting started with mountain biking? Honestly, I think knowledge can be a really big barrier. And uh, especially if you're just like deciding you want to get into the sport of mountain biking and you don't have a, a really knowledgeable friend to help you along, just learning some of these things that uh, long-time riders take for granted can be really difficult. These things include bike handling, like techniques for overcoming obstacles on the trail. Places to ride your bike can be actually more difficult than you think to come across. Maintenance, tips and tricks, all sorts of different things. But that's sort of where single tracks comes in a little bit. And we try to break down those knowledge barriers uh, for you and provide information that's useful. So you know, for things like if you need a place to ride, we have a massive trail database that spans the entire world. So hopefully you can uh, run a search in there near you and uh, find some trails to check out. Um, but uh, there's other things like bike handling and maintenance that we write about a lot, but some of those things are uh, really best learned hands-on as well. So that can be tough when you're new. Yeah. And I think a lot of people too, maybe are afraid of making mistakes or, you know, going out to the trail and slowing people down or, you know, just being embarrassed that they're a beginner. But what I would say, if you are a beginner or if you're, if you're taking someone out for the first time, just remember that everybody was a beginner at one point and you're going to make mistakes. You're not going to be fast. Uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff you don't know, but that's okay. Um, people aren't going to laugh at you. Hopefully they're not. I'm not going <laughs> to laugh at you. And hopefully when you're taking people as well, that you'll be really patient and understanding about that. Yeah, I think the self-conscious like aspect is really interesting. Like I definitely bump into people all the time who are really self-conscious about yeah, something or other and I'm I'm like, man, it's cool. Like, you know, don't worry about what everybody else thinks, you know. You're out here doing what you do, you know, have fun and enjoy. So, I think sometimes we set up our own little psychological barriers to entry, you know. Yeah. And we don't want to make a fool of ourselves whereas nobody else maybe thinks we're making a fool of ourselves, you know? Yeah. And I always say, don't apologize. You know, that, that seems to be the, the go-to thing. I mean, I even do it myself, apologizing and making excuses. You know, I think that's natural to say like, Oh, you know, my, I don't know, make excuses. And I try to avoid that because everybody has a bad day every now and then, or, you know, people try new things and it doesn't work out. So yeah, don't apologize and, and don't, feel like you need to make excuses like everybody's kind of doing their own ride and it's what it's what you get out of it that's important you got anything else about that aaron well on the on the maintenance front there are some uh little tips and tricks that can help you get the best you know the best ride and uh keep your bike running well so one one of the crucial things i think a lot of beginners overlook is proper suspension setup and suspension can seem intimidating but the majority of bikes especially at the entry level are going to have you know very minimal adjustments so you have typically they're going to be air suspension so you you have you can adjust the pressure in your in your fork or your shock as well should you happen to have a full suspension bike and then you can typically there's an adjustment for rebound and compression and that's about it so there's not there's not too many things you can play with and you know, wreak havoc on your bike and any, any decent shop should be able to help you set up your suspension. You know, even, even if you 
you know, if you buy a bike from them, especially, they should be setting up the suspension for you before you walk out the door. But if you, you know, bought a bike somewhere else, you know, go to your local shop and have them help you. You know, don't expect to get that kind of service for free because, you know, it's not free. That's, that's what they're there for. They're there to help and they're there to make a living. So if you don't have that knowledge, definitely use your local shop as a resource. So find out what pressures you need to run in your, in your suspension and write it down. That's an important thing. Unless something's wrong with your fork or shock, you shouldn't really need to be adjusting your air pressure very often, but it is a good thing to check every few, every few rides. Another big one is tire pressure. And I check my tire pressure before every ride, pretty much every bike. I mean, maybe the exception to that is, you know, if I'm riding a certain bike on, you know, back to back to back days and I just check it in the morning, maybe I'll just give a little squeeze test or something like that on the tire just to make sure everything's okay. But yeah, tire pressure is a big one. You know, you don't want it too high because you don't want to be bouncing all over the place, but also you don't want it too low because you don't want uh, flats. Another one that can keep your your bike very happy and keep your wallet uh, with a few extra dollars in it is just keeping your drivetrain cleaned and lubed. So depending on what kind of conditions you're riding in, you may have to clean it and lube it more often. But uh, I mean, there's no there's no shortage of different lubes for whatever applications. If you're riding in a very dry, dusty climate, or if you're riding where it's wet and muddy all the time, there are specific lubes for those things. So again, you know, check out single tracks for, you know, advice on different lubes, ask your shop what, what they recommend for their area, because they probably have a good idea of, you know, what works best for the particular trails around you. And that's really going to, it's going to help your bike shift better you know, it's going to make your cassette and your, and your chain and everything and your uh, chain rings last longer. So you're not going to be replacing those uh, frequently. And probably I would say one of the, the biggest maintenance things you should learn right away, right off the bat, is how to change a flat tire. Um, that's something everyone should know how to do. Uh, it's, it's not that difficult, and it will really help you should you be, you know, five, 10 miles away from your car and you, you get a flat and that is not the time to try to figure out how to, how to do it. Cause if you, if you have no idea how to do it, it can definitely be a little confusing. It's not that intuitive. So learn that one right off the bat, I would say. Yes. Flats happen. <laughs> yes. Even on tubeless tires. Yes. Just did that this weekend. Actually, I think that was first legit time well, second time I've had to put a tube in a tubeless tire because it wouldn't seal, but it doesn't happen often, but it does happen. So it's good to know. Right on. So one question that I like asking people is what are some of the things that you wish you knew about mountain biking when you started? You know, all three of us have been riding for many, many years. And so, yeah, I think it's interesting to think back to when we started and, you know, maybe laugh about some of the things we didn't know when we started and, and try to help other people out. So what do you guys, what do you guys got for that? I wish I had known like how much difference a quality set of wheels, tires, and a tubeless setup would make both for like headache and time, but also like money investment. So when I was a beginner, I, I just blew up entry level wheels left and right, like shredded tires, flatted tubes, destroyed rims like constantly and i think i would have come out ahead money 
and a lot less time and a lot less headache and more riding time. If I had just gotten like a mid-level set of like aluminum wheels that were like a solid set of wheels, got some good tires and set them up tubeless and I would have had way fewer issues. You know, that would have been more money up front, but I think it would have saved me more than that in the cost of the wheels that I blew up. You know what I'm saying? So it's amazing what kind of a difference some of those components can make. Whereas like other components you upgrade, you know, there's a, there's a small difference there, but if you put carbon bars on instead of your alloy bars, you know, that's an upgrade, but it, it doesn't make a huge difference in the grand scheme of things. So putting your upgrade dollars in the right spot and doing it right off the bat could make a, a really big difference. Yeah, I would definitely agree with, with Greg on, on that point that, uh, quality tires are, are huge. That's definitely an area that I don't recommend skimping on. You know, maybe if you don't have the, the scratch right off the bat to get a new wheel set, you can really change the performance of your bike with a, with a new set of tires. And, and like Greg said, you know, it's kind of easy to get upgrade itis, especially when you're brand new to the sport and you just want to get, you know, you just, you just want to keep getting new stuff for your bike. But, you know, going tubeless and getting a lighter set of wheels, that's going to make, uh, like Greg said, it's going to make a much bigger difference than a fancy XTR rear derailleur. Like that's not going to have the same impact on your, your ride quality. But, you know, in terms of, you know, mistakes that I made early on, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I started riding in like cargo shorts and skate shoes and a, and a skate helmet. And, uh, maybe, maybe wish I had found chamois earlier on. Um, that's one I was going to mention. Too. Yeah. That's uh, uh, chamois. Chamois are a good thing, and probably I like I said I wore a skate helmet for a long time, which was not the the best idea here in in Georgia. One because it's so hot, and two skate helmets aren't they aren't designed for the impacts of mountain biking. So should I have uh, crashed on my head, it uh, probably wouldn't have been been a good thing. Yes. But one of the things that I learned early on was that clipless pedals aren't as scary as they seem. So, you know, when I started out, I was on flat pedals like most people are. And, you know, I'd see people clipping their shoes into their pedals. And, you know, I just thought, man, that is so scary. How do you get your feet out in time? And, but, you know, and, and I spent, I probably spent years riding without clipless pedals until I finally took the time to learn. But once I did, I realized, that, you know, I felt actually a lot more in control and more confident when I had clipless pedals. You know, I wasn't worrying about my feet slipping off. I mean, today there, people will argue that they're flat pedals. If you get the right shoes and the right pedals, you know, you have just as much grip or whatever. But, but yeah, I found that I, I feel a lot more confident on the bike with clipless pedals and I, I don't worry about sort of getting stuck in them like I thought I would. Um, and then the other thing is, I think I was worried initially myself about slowing people down or, you know, looking like I didn't know what I was doing on the trail. And so I, I avoided riding with people who were like maybe a little faster than me or a little better than me, um, just because I didn't want to slow them down and I didn't want them to think that I was slow. But I learned, yeah, later that it's good to ride with fast people. It makes you faster. And also they don't care. They're not just like, Oh my gosh, this guy. <laughs> I mean, unless you're really, really slow and you know, people are waiting for you all the time, but, 
Yeah. I think writing in groups is something that I learned eventually, you know, is a, is a really good thing and I don't need to worry about, um, yeah, sort of my performance. All right. So switching gears a little bit, what's something that new writers can do to build fitness? A lot of people come to the sport maybe with, with not doing anything, you know, at, especially at our age now, I find a lot of people, um, that are, you know, in their, in their late twenties or thirties or forties, you know, they haven't been active for a while and mountain biking looks like fun to them. And so, um, it's a sport they pick up. So what's, how can people build that fitness that they might not have when they first start out? Well, I got two things for you, Jeff. Um, number one, I think is to ride with faster riders, which, uh, we had already talked about a little bit, but I think riding with faster riders forces you to get faster. Um, I find when I'm just out on my own, like I just sort of go at my own speed. I'm taking pictures, smelling the flowers, which isn't a bad thing. But if you want to get fitter and faster, being forced to try to keep up with somebody puts a whole different perspective on your riding. Um, but, and like we said, you know, especially with a lot of rides that are build as no drop rides or casual rides, like that could be casual for whoever's leading the ride. But for me, if I'm not in good shape or for a new rider, that could still be a really big fitness challenge, but the people who are leading it aren't out to drop you and lose you. So that can be a great way to improve right there. Um, I would say the number two thing that helped me improve my fitness, this is a funny story I just thought of, but was, was using a GPS to track how long I was riding for, uh, distance wise. So I used to do like these loops and these rides and I was like, oh, based on the map, this looks like it's about a 15 mile route I just did, you know, and, and I had these notions of how long I was riding. I got a GPS unit, put a GPS to the route that I would usually do for my after work ride. Turns out it was more like six miles. So <laughs> I mean, and when you don't know, like, you know, you read on the internet about people doing 30 mile rides and you think you're doing 15, but you're actually doing six. Like, you know, that's, uh, that can get you in a world of hurt if you're not prepared to actually go the real distance, you know, and then just simply being able to track my rides and see how far I was going allowed me to then build on that. Be like, all right, I did six. Now I'll do seven or eight the next week and then nine or 10 the week after that, you know, and I was able to even on my own work on building up my distance. So those are two great things when you're starting off. Yeah, I would add that, you know, you kind of need to adjust your expectations when you're just getting into riding, especially if you have, maybe you're a runner or something like that. So maybe you have some aerobic fitness and you think you're just going to jump on a mountain bike and start tearing ass down the trail and you get out on a ride and, you know, after a couple, four or five miles, you're, you're smoked. And it's, it's just a different kind of of fitness mountain biking compared to other sports. I mean, like, you know, I can, I can ride all day, but damn, if I try to run a mile, I'm going to be, I'm going to be worked, you know, <laughs> but I can go out, I can go out and, you know, do a 50 mile ride on my mountain bike and be okay afterwards. So, you know, when, when you're just, when you're just starting out, lower your expectations for yourself. Don't beat yourself up. If you, if, if you're not hanging with the people you think you should be hanging with, or if you can't ride as long as you, you think you should be able to for whatever reason. And then just ride as much as you can. When you're new to the sport, you're going to make gains in your fitness really quickly. Like Greg said, I mean, you can add a couple miles every week and 
you'll 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 just get faster and faster and your your endurance will go up your stamina will will be much better and the unfortunate thing is the the more you ride the smaller those incremental gains become so at a certain point you kind of reach a plateau and but that's not going to happen for a while you know when you're beginning um but like like this year for instance I really wanted to get faster so I had hired a coach and followed a training plan because you know I ride a lot but I kind of had plateaued I wasn't getting any faster so but but like I said you're not going to see that right off the bat like you you're not going to plateau for you know probably a couple of years at least in your fitness so just ride as much as you can but also keep in mind that recovery is an important part of any um, athletic activity so uh, you know do it within reason don't uh, don't hurt yourself with an overuse injury or something like that yeah I, I totally agree with all that and the biggest thing I would tell beginners is that yeah it, it is hard the fitness is different especially if you haven't been doing it before and just stick with it though because once you're in shape for mountain biking it makes it a heck of a lot more fun when you're not you know, dying after every climb. And, <laughs> um, and, and it also improves your tech skills, which is what we'll talk about next. But if you're, if you're fresh during a ride, you're going to make better decisions about, you know, how to clear rocks and roots and stuff. And you're just gonna, you're just going to be better. So improving fitness is important. And the best way to do that yeah, is, is to just ride more and ride with fast people. So moving on to tech skills, what do you guys, what kind of tips do you have for mountain bikers who are starting out and don't know how to ride over roots or rocks or, or jumps. He honestly take a, take a skills course, take a, a teaching session from a professional mountain bike skills teacher. It's really interesting in mountain biking that more people don't do this. Like, so let's take downhill skiing. If you go out and you want to learn how to downhill ski, most people are going to, are going to take a ski lesson. And people are going to teach them how to ski. But with a bike, it's like you learned how to ride a bicycle when you were a kid, most likely. So you're like, oh, I'm just riding a bicycle in the woods. And it's like, no, that's not quite the same deal. You know, I think more beginners should learn from a professional who knows how to teach skills. Like teaching skills is actually a skill in and of itself, which most like dude bro riders are like, oh, I can send this drop. Let me show you how to send this drop. But they don't know the actual like progression of skills that the beginner rider needs to learn in order to send that drop successfully. Like there's a, there's a lengthy, like long line of progression of different micro skills that feed into every major skill. And a, a trained, um, skills teacher knows how to teach that. Whereas like, the most people you talk to, like they'll know how to do it and they'll sort of maybe send you on the right course, but taking a skills course would be super beneficial. And honestly, like we talked a lot about upgrading things, but the biggest thing you can up do to upgrade your riding is to improve your skills. And you can improve your skills on any bike from a $300 entry level bike to a $10,000 super carbon awesome wonder bike. This is a true story, but I took a better ride skills course to write about it for single tracks. And I've been riding for many years and I still learned great things from that course. But coming into it, I was maybe one of the most accomplished students in that course because my main goal is to write about it. 
However, I was on a $1,000 hardtail 29er, and there were literally students in that course on $10,000 carbon fiber cross-country bikes from Specialized that were the nicest bikes Specialized sold at that time that couldn't you know, ride over a route. So you can make massive gains in your mountain biking overall just by learning some really key skills. Yeah. Well, I'm curious now, what, how early did, did you guys, Aaron and Greg, uh, take skills training? So that, that was my first official skills training. And I had been riding for six or eight years. Um, but I also had the benefit of getting brought up in the sport by somebody who was very knowledgeable, but also who was, um, like a coach in other sports and, uh, was a ski instructor. So who also, you know, was more familiar with teaching skills progression. And that was a dude that got me into mountain biking. So I sort of felt a little bit fortunate to, you know, have somebody like that teach me how to ride who was professionally a teacher, you know, and that, that makes a difference. Yeah. That's a really good point that teaching is a skill because there are, there are your bros. that will be like, yeah, just go fast and lean back, bro. You got it. And that is a, that's a recipe for a, a broken collarbone right there. I've never actually taken a skills course. I, when I first started riding and really got into it, I, I bought a few different books, probably most notably the one, I think Lee McCormick and Brian Lopes. Sorry. Yeah. They, they put a book out years and years ago about mountain biking skills and, and that stuff really helps. But probably the main thing I would say, maybe if you, you can't afford a, a skills class or if you just want to, you know, work on stuff yourself is to, to session certain sections of trail that are, that are, or features that are giving you issues. And what sessioning means is you just, you stop at a certain feature and you just ride it over and over and over and over again until you can, you can clean it, you know, basically with your eyes closed. And that's, that's something that, um, I've actually tried to get back into now because, you know, I, you know, you probably get a little, little cocky and, you know, you think you can ride whatever. And, but there, you know, there are climbs that give me trouble, you know, really technical stuff or maybe a descent where I don't pick the right line. And now probably the last year or so, I've really, um, I've stopped unless I'm in the middle of a race or something, I'll stop and go back and I'm like, no, I want to, I want to clean this. So. That that's a really big thing, and you know, start start small. You know, don't don't go and find like the biggest rock drop on your trail system and be like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna session this until I get it. Find something much smaller and and work your way up. But that the, just that repetition of doing a same section of trail, small section of trail over and over is going to be much more beneficial than you know riding a lap and let's say like you you don't make it up this technical climb and you're like, Oh, I'll just try next lap. Like that's like, no, you should stop. You should turn around, go back to the bottom and and try it again. Cause you're much more likely to make it your, your next time around. Yeah. One other thing I'll add these days, there are YouTube videos for just about every skill breaking down, you know, stuff like, I mean, if you, if you go on YouTube and look for how to bunny hop, you're going to find like a hundred videos on how to do that. Yeah. So but even after you watch those videos, it's not like you just watch it and like, okay, now I can bunny hop. Yeah, sessioning is what it's all about. So watch the video, go out, you know, in your backyard and you got to practice. You got to do it over and over and over again. Stuff that as a beginner, 
looks really easy and natural for people to do. It's not like they just started doing it. Like they practiced that for many, many years. So practice makes perfect. Right. And one more thing I wanted to add is many trail systems, especially larger ones, I know several around the Atlanta area have skills areas just for the purpose of developing certain skills. So they'll have maybe skinny. So maybe they'll have like a log that you can ride along and they'll have progressively maybe higher logs or narrower logs or something. So you can, you know, so you can get used to those, those things in kind of a more controlled environment instead of just coming up, coming up on them in the trail and all of a sudden having to go, Oh shit, I got to ride this log. Yeah. So, so tons of trail systems are, are doing that now. Okay. So what can beginners do to learn how to work on their bikes? Aaron, you mentioned changing a tire is probably something beginners are going to want to learn to do. I will say that, I mean, it's not like as a beginner, you need to know how to like rebuild your fork because I still don't know how to do that. There are bike shops that can handle a lot of repairs for you, but how, how do you guys suggest people learn sort of the, the basics and like trail side repair and maintenance stuff? Well, like you said, Jeff, the, the internets, this thing they got on computers now is, uh, really helpful with that. I mean, if there's any, any specific repair that you want to learn how to do, I'm sure there's, you know, a hundred plus YouTube videos for every, everything, like how to lube your chain, how to change a tire, how to tighten your headset. But maybe if you, you, you know, you aren't confident with that right off the bat, go to your local shop and ask them, you know, to say like, Hey, I need my derailleur adjusted. It's not shifting correctly and watch them and say like, Hey, what are you doing and why? Like, what are, what's that screw you're turning? Like just ask a bunch of questions, ask your friends. Uh, I'm, I'm sure if you have people that ride a lot, they probably at least have some rudimentary bike repair knowledge. So, you know, ask them. And, uh, there's even like REI, for instance, they offer bike repair classes. So a couple times a month, they'll have a couple hour long class where, uh, you know, it's, I don't know, 10 or 20 bucks, whatever, if, depending on if you're a member and you go and they'll teach you some, some basic repair skills. If you're, if you're more of a visual, you know, hands-on kind of learner. I have a whole heck of a lot to add to that, but I think being just like cognizant of what more skillful people who have more knowledge are doing makes a lot of sense. Like I've been on the trail where I break something, I fix it, you know, and I've got friends who are just standing around chatting and then like a week later they break the same thing and they don't know how to fix it, you know? And it's like, well, you know, if you just pay attention when those things happen, like on your rides, you can just sort of pick up knowledge from the people around you who have been doing it for longer. I mean, this applies to the the maintenance, applies to bike skills, you know, following somebody down the trail, but just sort of keeping an eye on like, identifying who those riders are who've been like, oh, this dude's been riding for 20 years. Maybe he knows something, you know, that can be totally useful. Right. So finally, I wanted to ask you guys if you have some tips for taking someone mountain biking for the first time. And this is geared, this is going to be geared toward the people who are advanced and expert riders. What do those types of people need to keep in mind when they're taking someone out that doesn't really know what they're doing? Well, first of all, don't have any expectations for the ride. You know, don't, don't think it's going to go a certain way. Don't think you're going to ride 15 miles, you know, just keep it open-ended. You know, you want it to be a, a comfortable 
you know, relaxed setting for the new rider because it, it can be intimidating, especially if, if you're the more advanced rider and the, the newbie could be, could be intimidated by your awesome mountain biking skills. So, you know, be patient. That's a big one. That's one that I've had to, you know, remind myself constantly of is just, just take it easy, you know? So I, I, I try to go out with a different mindset that this is, this isn't a ride for me. You know, I'm not out here for myself. I'm out here to help this new person get into the sport. So, um, yeah, just go in with that mindset. Keep, keep a group small. You know, you don't want to invite a bunch of your, your buddies that are going to be hauling ass the whole time and also a beginner because that's, that's going to make for an awkward situation. Like the, you know, the, the new person is probably not going to feel very comfortable in that situation. If there's a group of five or six riders and they're the slowest one there, um, you know, you start to doubt yourself and, you know, like you said earlier, you start apologizing because you're always bringing up the rear and, I would also say go to a trail system that has a lot of bailout points. You know, you don't want to, obviously you don't want to take somebody out on a huge backcountry ride for their first mountain bike ride. But when a beginner bonks, it usually comes on pretty fast. It's not like, you know, cause they, cause they don't know, they don't know what that, that feels like. So when you're a much more experienced rider, you can kind of tell you like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm getting low on energy. I'm getting low on water. Like I need to, I need to throttle back or I need to turn this thing around, but beginners don't have that knowledge necessarily. So when they, when they start to go down, it, it happens fast, you know, and all of a sudden they go from like, Oh, I'm okay to like, Holy shit, get me out of the woods. So you don't want to be 10 miles away from the car when that happens, because <laughs> chances are that person may never want to go riding again. So, you know, do a, do a trail system that has a lot of, smaller loops and like i said plenty of plenty of bailout points so you can you can cut it short and get back to the car with a with a quickness the final thing i would say is don't try to overwhelm people with information this is another thing that i've had to learn it's they're they're on the bike they're riding like don't don't try to tell them how to adjust their you know the their riding position and how to shift and like, oh, you should be doing this. Like, let them ask you questions. Let them kind of drive the conversation. And that way you're, you're not just bombarding them with all this, this information. So they're like, okay, wait, I got, I got my elbows out. I got my chest low and the way I'm shifting. And it's just too much to think about. So I, I've found that beginners will ask you when they, when they're questioned about something like, you know, like, why'd you do that right there? And then you, that's a, you know, that's a teachable moment. That's when you can say, Oh, I did, I did, you know, I went through this corner like that because blah, blah, blah. So yeah, let them, let them, uh, direct the narrative. I would say, man, that's just about covers it. The only one thing I have to add to that is to rethink like what you think a technical trail is like this you might live in an area where all the trails are super easy and then that makes it easy to get somebody into it. But lots of areas like you may have a trail that's like labeled a beginner trail or an intermediate trail. And maybe that's the easiest trail that you have, but it, that doesn't mean it's a good beginner trail. Like that's sort of one issue we have here is like our beginner trails aren't really beginner trails, you know, stuff that you take for granted, like oh, there's a drop off on the left side, but I don't ride off the trail. So it's not an issue. Like that can freak the crap out of somebody who's never ridden a slightly exposed trail before. 
you know, and what you might think is a few rocks could send somebody sailing like off the side of the mountain. So that's difficult to like get out of your head and into the head of the person that you're taking riding. But, you know, I try to tend trend to like the very easiest possible, like single track trail, like I can find. And maybe that even means like driving, you know, an hour to get to an easier trail. Like that could be what you have to do. You know, that's a, that's a really good point, Greg. I was, cause the, the trail ratings are, are relative, right? Like, so typically within a trail system, you'll have green trails or the beginner trails, the easiest, then you have blue trails and then you have black and double black trails. And it's funny cause I was just up in Pisgah riding a couple weeks ago and I was climbing, I guess, Thrift Cove up to do like Sycamore and then Black Mountain and I think Thrift Cove was a green trail and there's nothing necessarily technical on it, but there's, it's like a super steep climb, like the whole way. It's a, it's a grunt, you know? And I was thinking, man, this is a green trail. Like if you took a new rider here, they would, <laughs> they would hate you, you know, because <laughs> it's, you're, you're just riding straight up the mountain. And then of course, once you get up there, then you're on Black Mountain, which is, uh, I guess lower Black Mountain would be considered a, a blue trail for Pisgah, but, uh, you know, that, that for a new rider would, it, it, it may as well be a double black diamond. So that's a, that's a really good thing to keep in mind is it's not your skill set. It's, uh, you know, imagine, try to imagine a brand new rider to the sport. Yeah. We actually, we had an experience with this, uh, just last week. We took, uh, our intern for his first mountain bike ride ever. And I wish he was here to, you know, give us, give us his side of the story. But, <laughs> but, you know, we took him to a flow trail, uh, that was, you know, is not technical at all. Um, there are some, some steep climbs and things, but he seemed to enjoy it. The biggest thing that I did differently this time than maybe I've done in the past when taking people on their first ride is, you know, my plan was to do like this flow trail section that was, you know, about four ish miles and then, to do this other like two or three mile loop afterward. But after doing that first four miles, you know, I, I could see that he was getting tired um, and that he was, you know, he had had enough. My usual thing would be to say, Hey, you, do you want to go for more? There's another loop we could do. But I decided not to even ask him to just be like, you know what? Like if I ask him, he's going to say yes, but only because he, you know, wants to seem like he's tough or he's, you know, doing fine <laughs> when he's really not. So, yeah. So just kind of using your judgment and not leaving it to the rider to be like, Hey, do you think you could do this trail? And they don't know, like they're not sure. And they're, but they're going to say yes. And then they're really going to hate you afterwards. So, <laughs> so yeah, I say use your judgment because your judgment is going to be way better than the, the beginner that you're bringing out. Well, awesome. This has been a fun discussion about beginner mountain bikers. Hopefully it's helpful to beginners and to advanced riders alike. Like we mentioned during a lot of these conversations. Uh, there's a ton more information on single tracks. So just go on there and search for whatever you're trying to figure out if you're a beginner. Um, and if you can't find anything, then definitely don't be shy about posting on the forums and asking a question. Even if you think it's a dumb question, there are people who are always willing to help out. And, you know, that's the cool thing about mountain biking is most, most people are pretty cool and, and they like helping out new riders. So that's all we got this week. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you again next week. Peace.